Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report presented by Geico of Mobile, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. Hey y'all, did y'all know Geico offered water service? That's right. It'll cover breakdowns, gas problems, all kind of stuff like that that we may run into on the water. Hey, and you can even bundle it with your existing boat insurance to save more. Call Ron Davis of Geico Mobile and get you a quote, 251-445-0053. That's Ron Davis at 251-445-0053 or visit him online at geico.com forward slash mobile dash AL. Thanks for joining today, guys. I am your host, Brian Sin, joined by co-host Stephen Wisdom. What's going on, Stephen? Man, living it up as always. Another wonderful day in the deep south miss always you're always it's just a dream world for you and like every day you just wake up in the sunshine no but i smile even when clouds or even when it's raining i still smile that's good man positive it's funny the back in college guys would make fun of uh, me because you know in college like a rainy day was like an excuse to skip class and i was the first one out the door like i loved rainy days in college i never missed class on a rainy day because I preferred a cloudy rainy day over a sunny day anytime, but well, I I, I'm not, I'm not Debbie Downer. I mean, I'm a happy guy, but I just like, I like rain. Well, I mean, it's good that we have rain, I That's guess. Right. I'm, I'm more of a sunny skies day, but uh, I'll take the rain too. Any day is a good day in Alabama well, on these lakes and rivers ask, that we have. Hey, look, you can ask any fisherman, cloudy in 75 is a lot better than sunny in 75. Now nah, you're dang right about uh, that catch a lot more fish absolutely well, well hey look, you're looking forward to it looking forward to it yes sir well i'm looking forward to turkey season ending because they're about to drive me crazy i'm spending way too much time in the woods not killing anything been a challenge this year for sure but hey speaking of good fishing man let's get right to it let's go to segment one we got clayton bats what's going on clayton oh not much just sitting out here in the middle of the lake what lake you on oh actually up on lake hartwell today that's where our next pro circuit tournament's at in a month. And while I got a little bit of time, I'm up here just kind of looking around. That's a good topic for you for today. You know, I'm, and I'm sure you've got some report stuff that you want to share. But since you started there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow up with that. When you go to a lake like Hartwell and you're, and you know, you know, you got a tournament coming, what do you, you say you're up there scouting today? What's that look like? What are you doing? A lot of idling. I like to look a lot and I tend to spend more of my practice time offshore than what's on the bank kind of looking for where they're going to be it gets a little different when there's summer where you can go ahead and find them and you know they're not going to move too much but right now i mean every lake across georgia and alabama and everywhere there's fish that that water temperature starting to rise and they're starting to move offshore yeah no doubt about that what about the uh what about this massive rain we had last week how's it affecting everything yeah you follow came up about it was 188.4 and last time I checked, it was 191.4. And it is rolling that good old Georgia clay. <laughs> the old chocolate mud. That's right. Uh, it looks like you can walk across her about right now. Hey, that's what you got to deal with in the spring in the south is the runoff of that red clay mud. It it uh, There's no dingy. It just goes straight dirt. Straight. That's right. It's either uh, clear mud. And it, yeah. what was good about it is the water temperature was finally getting up there good, and they were moving offshore right where I like them. And 
Now we had this rain come up. They're going to turn right around and go right back up to the bank. That's always been the frustrating part of spring is, and that's one thing, guys, you got to watch for is the weather really does dictate them coming and going, coming and going. And they will, uh, like Clayton just said, they will turn around and go right back. If anything kind of drops the temperature of the water, like a cold rain or even a cold front. And so sounds like they're in that crazy back and forth time of year and you follow. They are. Uh, you can catch, You were able to catch some fish shallow and some fish deep, but now it's going to predominantly become another shallow bite. And I try to explain to everybody, you get that mud. I mean, it's not like a normal stain. I mean, it's a rolling mud. And it's kind of like somebody turned the lights off on you sitting at Golden Corral. You can smell the food, you can find it, but you stumble your way to it. <laughs> I hear you. So well, what What do you do? What do you do when it's the rolling, the rolling red clay mud um, on the river systems like that get up extremely shallow like you follow this guy a bunch of grass that grows around the shoreline uh it's not high drill or nothing like that just primrose and just bank grass and reeds uh you try to get up in there behind that stuff where it's got a little bit of clear water trapped back in there and you just kind of run that stuff all day well and that was my question what pushes those fish when you get a mud uh, a lot of mud like that and dirty water, what pushes the fish to the bank? Why are they leaving the deep water and going to the bank? They got to be able to see to eat. I mean, that's just part of it. And that's when they get up there super shallow, they can see to eat, and that's where a bunch of the bait's at. And right now, we happen to be having a little bit of a shad spawn, too, which is helping them stay up a little bit shallower. That makes sense. I know I like to see when I eat. <laughs> that's right. I mean, they got a lateral line, and they can feel and everything, but if you got... It gets somebody over there, and it is right now. When you stick your finger in the water, you cannot see your finger anymore. Good gracious. Do you change what kind of baits you're using as well in this in, in a condition like this? Maybe do something, maybe fish something that makes a little more noise or uh, stirs things up where they can, maybe they can't some use the bait as good. Some of the stuff you can throw spinnerbaits on, but the fish that you follow, they get so shallow, and back in that, it's kind of a bindy grass. It's kind of like a gator grass that you cannot present a spinnerbait or anything like that real effectively. So you have to stick with a swim jig or something like that, a little bit more subtle up there. Because, I mean, a bunch of the big ones right now, when you then you get that muddy water, and it was like this at the beginning of the year, you know, we had all that rain. <clears throat> but you're catching big fish in a 10 inches of water, and a spinnerbait or something like that is just a little too much up there. Are you still catching a lot of numbers, or is it is it really a grind right now uh, on that system? We were catching a lot of numbers. This rain right here that we just got, it's going to eliminate the numbers. You're going to get into more of a quality bite up there, that super shallow water. Kinda, it's it's uh, going to fish exactly like what it was fishing this January. So if somebody was on fish in January, they're going to be able to go back out there and fish the same exact stuff right now and catch them. So on Ufala, Clayton, when uh, when it's like that, when it's that rolling red clay, what like in that particular system and every every system's different but how long does it usually take you follow to kind of get back to uh you know a, a more uh healthier color or you know maybe maybe just stained or even back to a clearer color that i think a lot more a lot of guys are more comfortable fishing how long does it usually take that system to do that if if we don't get another influx of rain right and we're supposed to get another influx and have storms again thursday so, but they're pulling the water right now. I mean, they're moving it, moving it. Certain parts of the lake, when they move the water that fast, it will actually stay clear. There's some barriers where the water are kind of pulled down more on the Georgia side. It won't necessarily go over there to the Alabama side. And some of the Alabama side will stay a little bit clearer. 
most of the time, though, if they're moving it real good and we don't get any influx a couple weeks a week, if they're really, really moving it and it starts clearing up, it's hard to say, seven to 14 days. Okay, so it, it's definitely not a an overnight deal. If you're showing up at Ufala and going to fish a day or two and it's like that, you better you better really focus on finding fish in that particular system up shallow running those that backwater real shallow stuff where it's still dingy but the fish can kind of see right we touched on it last time we talked about how shallow they get on you follow this is this is exactly what i'm talking i was talking about if you think your fish is shallow go shallower your trolling motor better be scrubbing going in or else you're not gonna get in that clear water and get bit man that's Uh great advice hey clay one thing a lot of times people get confused about and since you live there you live it you might be able to articulate it well is you know alabama has several systems where the river this the water the body of water is splitting states it happens with georgia and alabama it happens with mississippi and alabama it happens with tennessee and alabama on you fall and really that whole system what license laws do the, the folks need to make sure they're following or is there any kind of special regulations on you dealing with that alabama georgia interface or is it just straight up reciprocal it's straight up reciprocal. Just make sure you have an Alabama or a Georgia license. Both of them are good on the whole lake. Awesome. And so, guys, if you're if you're going to visit Eufaula, uh, which I highly recommend, every lake can be challenging, but it really is a cool place to fish. It's very very versatile. A lot of different ways to fish. If you can find them and figure it out, it has really big fish, healthy fish, and just know you don't have to have a Georgia fishing license to fish on the Georgia side of the lake. Uh, They honor your Alabama fishing license. So that's something a lot of people kind of get caught up in. And I did one day. (laughs) I fished a tournament there. The very first tournament I ever fished, I bought an Alabama and Georgia license uh, for that tournament to later find out I didn't have to do that. So um, that's why I bring that up uh, so that all of our listeners can uh, know that if you have an Alabama fishing license, you can fish both sides of the lake follow the krill limits and size limits and you'll be fine so well clayton thank you for your time man we'll let you get back to uh doing some scouting up on lake hartwell for your upcoming tournament good luck with that journey hope you do well and as always thank you for your time hey before we get out of here tell the folks how they can get in touch with you when you get back home get ready to get back on you follow and uh maybe they want to go out and fish with you for a day how what, what do they need to do yeah, I have a bunch of openings right now because there was. Uh, I was supposed to be leaving to go to Dardanelle, and this Hartwell tournament was supposed to have already happened. So I'm open for about the next three weeks. Uh, you can look me up on Facebook at uh, Lake Uvala Fishing Guide, or either go to the website. It's just www.lakeuvalafishingguide.com. That's awesome, Clayton. Man, we appreciate it as always. Get back to uh, doing your scouting. We don't want to hold you up anymore than we have. So we appreciate your time, man. And I'll be safe up there. And we look forward to talking to you again soon, brother. I appreciate it. All right. That was some great uh, advice, I thought, from Clayton, man. That, that, that muddy water, I didn't realize it would push fish up that shallow into a winter pattern again. So that was some good stuff. Yeah, it's uh, the muddy water, especially in Alabama and the red clay, it's, it creates chaos sometimes. But that's what makes you a better fisherman is, is learning how to fish in different conditions. So. Uh, actually glad it's muddy there right now so he could he could talk about it and so um but man let's just jump right into our next segment yeah absolutely let's jump into our next segment and we are going to be coming to you this segment with a coosa river report we got michael walker on michael what's going on buddy hey how are you 
Doing good, man. Where you at today? You fishing? You you off? What you do, what you up to? No, no, been off. Uh, been fishing hard actually. Uh, the last several days, uh, sun up to sundown out of Smith Lake. Uh, got a post spawn pattern up there that's actually really producing uh, quality fish still. So uh, we've been north uh, for the last couple of weeks. Are you predominantly? I know from what I understand, you're a strike guy. Are you? Is yes, that sir. what you're fishing for now? Yeah, that's all we do. Um, we fish saltwater stripes, and primarily we're targeting big fish from for most of the year. Uh, we do have a period where we are just going to catch fish and put fish in the boat, but for the majority of the year, we are going to try to target the bigger fish throughout the state. Awesome. So it sounds like you've recently been on Smith Lake. So tell us about what's going on on Smith Lake with the striper bass, and, and how, are you, how are you chasing these guys? Yeah, I mean, right now, um, throughout the state, you're probably mainly on a postponed bite. Postponed for a lot of people can be tough. Um, you know, if you, it, it's different tactics, different times of year, and postpone really throws a lot of loops in there because the fish are absorbing eggs. Females are not really wanting to eat. You have to do a lot of different stuff and maybe change up what you're doing to try to get that female to to actually pick up something and eat because she will be processing a lot of the eggs that uh, she didn't lay. Mm -hmm. Um, So she won't be real hungry. But right now, post-spawn on 20-foot to 15-foot humps, you can find fish. They're they're scattered. You won't find big groups. You won't find uh, maybe fish sitting anywhere. They might be roaming for most of the day. But if you can find those spots that are great transition areas, and change your tactics up where we love pulling live bait. We love using planer boards, split shots. We like live bait is, you know, preferred choice. Post spawn's a perfect time to switch tactics and go to cut bait. Um, a lot of people in the South, we don't fish a lot of cut bait. We um, fish a lot of live bait, but cut bait for stripers, whether it's in a river or a reserve, is a really effective way to catch fish. Man, that's crazy. I, I would have never Mm-mm. guessed that. I would have never. I'm not a very experienced, uh, experienced striper fisherman, especially the big ones that you're chasing now. I, I've caught a lot, uh, you know, of the hybrids and uh, up stuff in the tail races. And I've caught some of the big ones in the tail races of the river systems. But, man, I would have never thought no. that you could catch them with cut bait. Me neither. I'm, I'm thinking cut bait. I'm thinking me and my dad growing up in the moppers throwing jugs out, floating yeah. down the Tom Baby River with <laughs> yeah. cut bait. Let's back up there. So you're you're li- drifting live bait. What's the go-to there? Is that a, just a, a golden I mean, like deer and spawn are using real big bait. When, when they're going to spawn, we're, we're feeding them huge baits. I mean, we're feeding anywhere to target the bigger fish, 10 to 18-inch baits uh, to get... 40 pound fish or 25 pound fish mm-hmm. it can eat a 15 to 18 inch bait if it wants it without blinking yeah um but come post spawn we're going to dial it back down we're going to use five four inch uh herring that are now legal to use on the lakes that uh they exist in mm-hmm. um we use shad but we we're, we're going to downsize because we know the fish primarily aren't going to be as active and we don't want to a bait that's actually hard to catch uh the bigger baits are going to have a lot more fight a lot more speed to them so a fish that's not really wanting to feed won't put the effort into going after 
uh, bait they have to chase and chase and chase to they'll target something that's a now, lot simpler. Now back up just a second on that. You you were saying that these fish post spawn they're not feeding. They're not as hungry maybe as they were before. I guess I would have thought it would have been opposite. I would have thought, okay, this big female's been laying eggs. She hasn't been eating because she's been on the bed. So I would have assumed that she would have come off at starving to death and very aggressive. But it's not that's not the case. No, because they're not going to bed, really. They're they're going to go out to a flat, and they're going to kind of, when they spawn, they're, they're just dropping their eggs. And so a female might drop a portion of her eggs, or let's say half her eggs, but at the end, a lot of the females are going to have a, a decent amount of unprocessed eggs still in their belly. Hmm. Um, and they actually absorb those eggs over time. So the th- the males... They will be active, but your males are typically not your bigger fish. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, on an average trip right now at Smith Lake, we're catching a good amount of 10 through 20s. But the females, the bigger fish, the, where you have more bigger fish, the females, they're not feeding that great. So to get one of those to bite, we've had to really slow it down and kind of we're, we're not even presenting live bait. And typically, when we use cut bait, we might fish live bait on the bottom, you know, to have some that are stuck to the bottom with a three-ounce weight to keep them. But they're not even really turned on for that right now. They want something they can go up. They pass it by. They smell it. They pick it up. No effort. They're a lazy fish. Uh, They don't want to work. They want the easy meal. So that's how we've been doing it. Now, do you guys ever you ever use artificial bait, or is your main? Take- we do. Yeah, okay. No, um, I, I, I'm big time troller. Come su- summertime, and I mean, we do cast artificial lures. Majority of our clients, I'd say, are a mix of half and half fishermen and, and people looking to get out and enjoy a weekend or something they don't do often. So our trips aren't going to be set up on only cast and artificials we have the opportunity for clients to do it if, if they feel like they want to but we're gonna most of the summer we're trolling artificials or using live bait and, and depending on our clients uh, we're going to kind of adapt the trip the way they you know they want and their ability kind of will help us you know produce a little more fish so how long do you feel like this transition lasts for the, the big strappers when do they how long does it take them to kind of get over their sluggishness and really get mm-hmm. back to, you know, being a, you know, having a great day of fishing and not really having to work super hard for it? We usually have a couple of weeks. I mean, two to three to three weeks, roughly. I mean, and then you kind of, you're going to have fish staggered. You know, you have some fish go early, some fish go mid and some fish go late. So it'll take a minute for all of them to come back together because you're going to have the ones that are early are going to come back and, They'll be active a little ahead of that. Then you'll finally get two-thirds of them back, and then you'll get that last third. And then, then they're really grouped up together again. Come May, on a typical year, May, they're all back together. Like You can see them coming back together now, but they're just not really – they're not there yet. We're probably another week, week and a half, maybe even two for all of them to kind of be back and back to normal feeding pattern. So you you said that you you were looking for fifteen to twenty foot humps, and you're mainly drifting down towards the bottom. Or are you up in the water? Well, now, like if if we're gonna if like right now we're we're fishing humps and flats with you know twenty foot depth with some 
quicker drops around it because we're finding the fish either on the edge during the daytime and feeding on the flats as early morning or the evening. We do a lot of double anchoring just because I'm going to pe- I'm going to pick a spot where I can reach a couple different areas where I'm going to be on the flat. I'm going to be on the drop. I'm going to be out in the deep. I'm going to pepper it up because I'll put 14 rods out because we're going to find one section a lot of times that's going to just produce and produce and produce. And then you're going to dial your rods towards the areas you're really producing. So you might start off with 14 rods out, get bites off of two, and if you know where you put your uh, bait set, then you're going to start fine-tuning that. You can cut your rods down to eight and then pepper that areas that you're getting bites from because they do run, and they might be sitting off a certain side of shelf. 14 baits at every spot, gonna, you're going to have to have a ton of bait. So we, we do a lot of bait at first to find those areas where the, the fish are sitting, where they're running through, and once we find that, we kind of cut back and dollar dollar uh, baits into those areas. So, more productive. so like right now when you're catching these 15, 20 pounders, what's an average day? I mean, how many can somebody expect to, if they're going to come fish with it, how many could they expect to put in a boat? We put uh, on Facebook, like fishing 24-7 guide services, our service at Smith Lake. Uh, we've gone live up there for a couple times a day. Um, the last couple days, we've averaged around 14 fish in the boat. Uh, smaller fish are 10 pounds, and the biggest fish was 33 out of those trips. Goodness. Average fish is sitting around 15 to 18. We got 24 bites two days ago. That equaled 12 fish. Uh, we had six swing and misses from the clients. We had a couple break-offs and a couple pull-offs. So, you know, on a good day and everything goes right, you get 20 of those 24 bites. Bad day or a couple misses, you get half. Uh, real bad bite day, you end up with five or six. And a horrible fishing day, you get short bites. And we might get a handful or not. I mean, you know, it's fishing, so you really don't know from one day to the next. The front can really throw anybody, a guide, an individual for a loop. And it might take you know, a couple hours to adjust, or it might cost you a day. But, you know, 15, um, but, 15, 20 fish with a 15 pounds and up, that's a pretty good day. That'd be a lot of fun. It's, it's, it's a solid day with uh, quality fish. Closest thing we can do to saltwater fishing in central Alabama. Yeah. I mean, you know? I'm just thinking, man, if I, if I took my son on something like right? that, he would, he, he would talk about it for the next year of oh, how yeah. amazing it was to catch you know, 15 fish like that, you know, that's, That'd that's be pretty great. awesome. What about Lake Martin? Have you been, have you been there much or is it much different than Smith? Okay. The primary differences is in Smith and Martin right now, they were really equal until a couple of years ago. They both had really big fish, uh, quality fish. Lake Martin has taken a hit over the past year on its quality fish over the past five years. It's had two fish kills that knocked out at least 90% of its quality fish. But what Lake Martin has different than Smith Lake is it has a better chance at putting high, high numbers of four through 10-pound fish in the boat. On a good day on Lake Martin in the summer, 30, 60, 70 fish. One lake offers you fewer fish per trip, 
but bigger fish. Another lake offers you, and Martin will offer you uh, more fish, but smaller size on average compared to Smith. So if action is important, then Lake Martin would be a better lake. If quality and size is important, right now Smith would be better. And they cycle. I mean, Martin will be back as long as we don't get late summer rains and flush the thermocline out of the bottom and kill them again. So is, is Smith and uh, Lake, uh, uh, Smith Lake and uh, Lake Martin uh, your two main fisheries you, you got on, or where else do you? Yeah, guess? I mean, we, we, we have some guys on the coast. Uh, we, we do lay. I grew up fishing Lay and Logan, and uh, we do some trips in the summertime uh, on Lay and Logan and, and the cold water springs. And uh, But we typically wait till uh, summertime to fish the Coosa. Um, because our bigger fish will get positioned in areas we feel like we have a good enough advantage to have a quality trip out of. That's awesome, man. Well, good stuff. Well, hey, one thing that we're trying to do on here and that we would like to do every week is have listeners email us uh, questions that we can ask to you guys. If you want to email us, it's alabamafreshwater at bestfishingreport.com. Uh, or you can go to greatdays.com and email us there as well. But we had a question come in this this week, and, and man, it's, it's awesome that the time is perfect to have you on the show because it's a striped question. So our question of the week this week comes from Justin. It looks like Justin is up in the Shoals area. So, Justin, we greatly appreciate you reaching out and asking a question on, for the podcast. Uh, it looks like he has been used to catching some big fish up in when the turbines are on around Wilson Dam, top water. His question is, where do those fish go the rest of the time and how can I target the the big ones uh, right now? So looks like his question is, hey, instead of waiting until July and fishing top water around the turbines, how can Justin go target big fish right now? He's got the fish will be up at the dam for until it gets too hot, and he'll have that period up at the up up by the dams. Um, what I was leading just had finished with uh, on the summertime. If he'll go look through those systems, there's some cold water springs. There's places in that lake that are bringing in cold water, and it's cold water. What is cold? If the dam's putting out 80 degrees, your big fish are not going to be under it. Um, you'll need to find the coldest water in that lake, and that's where the big fish will be. They might not look as good as they did in the springtime, but they're still going to be the biggest fish in the lake in those areas. In his area, the bigger fish do not thrive in hotter water, and they're going to try to survive. There's not going to be a lot of oxygenated water in the heavy summertime. So cold water springs is your ticket. You'll have to do some hunting or some talking, and uh should help you out quite a bit. That's good stuff, man. Thank you for that. And, Justin, thank you for the question. All right, man. Well, we'll let you get back to it, brother. We appreciate you getting on. Uh, you said it a while ago, but I'm going to ask again. If somebody wants to go catch some of these giant stripes, and, and I may be, I think I am one of those somebodies. Uh, me and Stephen may have to uh, bail off and get in the boat with you one day for sure. But uh, if somebody wants to reach out to you and book a trip, how do they need to get a hold of you? Yeah, I mean, you can go on um, online, Fishing 24-7 Guide Service. Got you hooked, guide service at Lake Martin, or give us a call at 205 503 2020. 
or 205-362-8322. That's awesome, man. Well, we appreciate it and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon, brother. Be safe. All right. Have a good one. Man, that was some awesome information. That was uh, striped bass is, is something that I've never done and I would love to do. I mean, to think about going out there and, and catching a 30-pound fish in Alabama, that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've I've definitely chased them and caught big ones in the tail races, but he sounds like he really is set up a totally different way and drifting and live bait and cut bait and cut, cut I mean, bait. Like, who knew it's crazy you just you keep learning stuff every day so don't forget that guys like no matter how long you've been fishing man there's still always something to be learned and so i hope you guys are tuning in each week to hear that because even uh the best of the best continue to learn and and so learning something every week even as the host I know, right? Every week. Um, well, and we appreciate that great question from Justin up in the Shoals area. Thank you for that, guys. Uh, there again, we'd love to hear from you. Alabama Freshwater at Best Fishing Report. And uh, that tip was brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. If you hunt or fish Alabama or the Deep South, you know that it's different down here. Spawning seasons, patterns, and food sources are not the same as in other parts of the country. At Great Days Outdoors Magazine, Southern Outdoors writers pick the brains of the best Southern hunters and anglers and give you the best how-to, where-to, and when-to articles along with so much more. Pick up a copy of Great Day Outdoor Magazine subscription and become a better Southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors Magazine can be found at your local Barnes & Nobles, Books a Million, Tractor Supply, Rule King, Bass Pro Shops, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. All right, let's dive right into segment three. We're going to the Tennessee River System up in Pickwick. We got David Allen joining us. David, what's going on, buddy? How you doing, guys? Uh, Just dealing with the water fluctuation again on Pickwick. We had all that rain last week, so we're back on the fall, getting back towards summer pool and normal again. But fishing's been good the last week catching a lot of numbers just not a lot of big size yet big females still haven't found their way to the to the shallows and big numbers yet but catching a lot of numbers at least that's yeah. the main thing you feel like the big females are staging or they they hadn't even began the transition because of the change no. in water and fluctu- fluctuation in it i think we had a wave earlier you know about a week or two ago go up when we had that big warm spell and that moon come through full moon mm-hmm. but uh, i don't think the big giant wave of them went up shallow I think a lot of them are still pre-spawning, especially with all the current we've got going again. They're back up to, you know, last week we had that big set of bad storms come through and dump up five inches of water overnight. And when it did, Pickwick went on the rise in a hurry. We got back up. I think we got to 417 and a half, which is, you know, three and a half foot above summer pool. Wow. So we were up in the flipping, flipping creature bait. Flipping bushes, reed edges, and all that, catching them up shallow on a short string. It was awful fun. It was fun. And then catching some on a swim jig, uh, chatterbait up shallow, you know, taking a, a, a trick worm. I've been using a bubblegum trick worm, catching them doing that too. Just, you know, catch them around any sort of brush or cypress tree or anything you can find. There was a fish on every one of them. It was crazy. But so when you get not a lot of. You know, and, and, and I guess five inches of rain will, will, will definitely change the system in a hurry. Uh, when you have something like this and that water rises and muddies up a little bit, and, and we were talking to a caller, the first caller today about this as well, but so you move back up shallow at that point and try to find structures. Is that kind of what you're doing? 
you, when, you know, anytime on the Tennessee, especially Pickwick, if you're in the month of April or May and we have a drastic rain spell come through and the water comes up, those fish are going to run to the bank. They're going to get up there in that fresh water running in. Um, they're going to get on, you know, any sort of buck bush, big cypress tree, or, you know, here we've got those bull rushes or reeds, as most people call them, they get in. And uh, you just flip. Pick, I used to take a half ounce just because it falls in, you know, especially if you're having to throw in the reeds or in those thick bushes to make it fall through. Just take a half ounce tungsten and peg it and put you on a flipping hook and snail knot it and get you any sort of creature bait. I've just been using a uh, profound clone crossum and uh, just green pumpkin and I'll pour, spray it chartreuse just for the stained water and flip it under there, dude. It's usually not long for you start seeing it swim off you feel it thud and you set the hook and hold on. That's a good time. Are uh, you catching a lot of fish with with the fluctuation and then being up in the bushes or is it is it kind of a grind for you? It getting to a grind now, you know, when it got up and stayed up for a few days and stabilized for about two or three days, it got good. But when we started seeing this water start to fall, we had about two days when it started falling when it was really good. Because it actually pulled them fish you couldn't even get to. Because I mean, the water was in, up way up in the bushes. I mean, it's you couldn't even get a boat to them, and those fish will follow that water all the way back there. When it started falling, it pulled them back out to the outside where you could actually fish for them. You know, like Saturday, there's a bunch of big bags and tournaments over here. Saturday, there's a 25 on Pickwick, two of them in the tournament, and then I know on Wilson too, they had a big 29 pound sack up there. So all those fish pulled back out. Well, then they got it dropping it even faster. I think it fell like a foot and a half overnight. And when it does that and it pulls them out of the bushes, they kind of get stagnant. It gets tough because those fish went from, hey, I'm up there in the bushes where I'm comfortable and I can forage and maybe work on bed and, oh, crap, my ceiling fell on top of my head. I got to run out here. Mm. But uh, I went yesterday for a while and actually got up shallow throwing a swim jig since everything fell out of all the bank structure. But we saw what we call yellow flowers. I don't really technically know what. <laughs> technical scientific name is but i think everybody knows what the yellow flowers are but i was taking a uh, 3x black and blue swim jig and uh, had a black and blue cross on the back of it and just working as fast as i could you know kind of waking it and dude didn't think we're knocking a snot out of it so this next week could be good on a swim jig bite or a, you know wacky rig trick worm just throwing it around those yellow flowers or near the edge of those hard spots at the base of those reeds a lot of these fish are going to start working on bedding i think this yeah. next week so you said a couple of weeks ago with the full moon and the water was right. They started to pull up. Things changed. But uh, today, as we record this uh, this podcast, it's a new moon. How do you feel the new moon affects them during this time of year, if it does at all? You know, I think, it. you know, anytime the moon, any moon phase affects them, I think, I don't know if it necessarily hurts them. Do I think it makes them migrate a lot? It might make them pull up. I I, you know, the only thing I ever pay attention to with the moon is a full moon. New moon, I, I don't think it makes them, you know, a giant wave of them. It could, but I've never, I don't now, think it probably has a lot to do with it. So. Now, when you're talking about this swim jig, and it and, and sounds like you're burning that sucker in, keeping it close to the top. Am I correct? Yes, sir. What is, something I'm thinking about is why choose a swim jig to cl- keep close to the top was then maybe a spinnerbait keeping close to the top. I've, you know, a lot of times the spinnerbait, you know, if you don't have wind or, you know, a cloudy day, they don't key on that spinnerbait as good because they can see it too good. You know, that wind helps always with a spinnerbait bite with me just to disturb that water. It's not a slick mirror where they can see it or where it just disturbs their vision. And I think when you get in these shallow pockets where all those yellow flowers are growing, which on the swim jig, I think when you throw that spinnerbait, they kind of like the cats out of the bag before they even go after it you know they kind of see it too good now i have waked a spinnerbait in those pockets when it's muddy and done well 
but that swim jig, I can cover more water, and I can also throw it in thick debris, where a spinnerbait you throw it in there, it's liable to get weeds tangled all in the blades mm. and all that. that I can throw it in the thickest cover possible and work it out. And a lot of times, draw a lot of those key bites out of that thick cover where a spinnerbait, you've never got it in there and out of it. Perfect. Thank you for that. That's what I like. So, David, I, the, the Tennessee River is a phenomenal river. We all love it. Massive, large mouth. But the cool thing about the Tennessee River, it's the closest, uh, it's the most southern river in the country where you really can catch some quality smallmouth. And I know oh, yeah. there's certain areas, uh, and especially Pitwick and Wilson, they seem to be the two best on the system right now uh, as far as quality smallmouth. Uh, are you chasing any smallmouth? I know that smallmouth can at times be uh, get really good in the tail race. Tell us what's going on with the smallmouth right now in the system. First, last week, um, before all this flooding started, the smallmouth were wide open. We were catching them up. What everybody knows is the horseshoe, probably the biggest community hole this mm-hmm. side of the Mississippi. We it were is. catching them all. They're working yes. on bedding, uh, <laughs> throwing a lot of heads and ned rigs. And we were, they were catching the fire out of them. It was, it was insane. But uh, with that flood come in, it really, it didn't necessarily, you know, yeah, it kind of slows the spawn down, I think. But I don't think it's the end-all, be-all of the spawn. It, a lot of those fish will just pull back that were in the middle of bed and mm-hmm. wait until it chills out, and then they'll go back there and do it again. Um, but I actually went up there yesterday morning before I went down river chasing largemouth, and I caught I caught four or five smallmouth on the shake kit up there, but you just had to get out of the current. Um, I threw a swim bait in the current, but it was awful muddy. Mm-hmm. I also threw a spinnerbait in the current. I had a couple drum, of course. You can get in that current, you're going to catch a lot of drum. But we, I had one smallmouth that jumped off of the boat. I hooked on the swim bait, but that was the only bass bite I got on the swim bait. The rest of them came on a shaky head. Had a, just a, a Ringo worm for profound with green pumpkin. I started to the tail, so it gets pretty muddy up there right now. We've got a lot of silt coming through the river since all that mm-hmm. rain knocked all the mud in. Well, the smallmouth should be good. I say once we get this current calmed down this week, it could get a uh, it could get really good up there below the below the horseshoe or below Wheeler Dam. You get up there and fishing in the rocks up there for small and smallmouth too, and also swim back in the current once the water clears up a little bit. If a guy was gonna <laughs> want to target smallmouth, is that really the the highest percentage of catching? Because I mean, even I, I've caught I've caught them down you know near Waterloo and in, in that end of the lake. But is is the tail race really the go to on increasing your uh, percentage of catching one or are there other ways you can catch them down river as well you know the tail race and going below either wheeler or wilson dam your your numbers go way up on being able to catch small just because you've got all the ingredients for a high population you got high current you got rocky bottoms you got bluffs the sh- there's plenty of food up there that's just everything that that environment gives is a prime opportunity for small enough to thrive um now you don't have to necessarily be right up by the dam or up there in the horseshoe. A lot of these smallmouth, if you get down, you know, still in the upper end of Pickwick, but if you get down around Sheffield, Rock Row, on mm-hmm. uh, the mouth of some of the creeks that have got big steep bluff riprap with pea gravel bottoms, those smallmouth still spawn down there. They live down there. It's just the biggest concentration is going to be by those dams because it limits where they can be. If you start going down there, they could be, you know, 10 foot deep. They could be, on the bank, they could be out there in the middle on a secluded rock pile. You just got more area you have to cover where if you go to the dam, they're kind of isolated. So you kind of can yeah. pick it apart a little easier. But, you know, like you're saying, down river, yeah, you'll catch some smallmouth. But, like, this time of year, sometimes you can find a pattern and target smallmouth on the lower end of the lake. 
footage might work one day, and the next day you go there and they never exist, and they're very nomadic. Them smallmouth will roam on you quicker than any fish in this lake. It's, oh, it's yeah. kind of disheartening sometimes because I'll actually, in the summertime, I've done it a few times on the ledges where you actually find a school that's nothing but smallmouth, but you better catch them while they're there because the next day they're gone. I experienced that fishing tournaments up north uh, where they were all predominantly smallmouth fisheries. And, you know, in preparing for a tournament, you'd get on a school and <laughs> ghost town. The next then they go gone, gone, oh, gone. So as a, <laughs> as a guy in the South going up there, not only spending time up there in, in the tournament world, you really, you really can't adjust quick enough to uh, to get back on them, and so you really kind of spin yourself out a lot of times. And I, I experienced that firsthand. Yeah. So yeah, they're they're here today, gone tomorrow type fish. But man, when you do find a school of them, it can get fun really fast. Like oh, yeah, especially for being in the South, where you know, and I, I grew up in that area, and it was always really cool to be that far south and and catch some really quality smallmouth this far south and you can't really do it anywhere else but but right there you know in the system well you know the nice thing about them the, the farther south you can catch them really but the other thing is they get so big yeah um, you know a lot of trips that us guides do here i mean we can advertise that you're more than likely going to catch your personal best smallmouth on a trip i mean mm-hmm. your average fish we were catching the spring before you know all this kind of started dwindling out with the current i mean we were averaging your average fish was over four pounds um, and, catching a five and, a half, and catching a five and a half wasn't odd. I mean, you're, if you put your rod and kick your line in the water, you were more likely going to run into one of them and have the opportunity at it every day. Um, and about two or three years ago, it was the craziest year I've ever seen for just giant smallmouth here. We were every day we were catching over sixes. I mean, it was, I can't remember. I had to look at my book of what I wrote down, but there's no telling how many, you know, six plus smallmouth we caught in one spring. I mean, it was insanity. I know, people fishing up there from being up there but there's like three fish over eight caught below wilson dam and it's just we've got a very healthy smallmouth fishery here yeah i'll i'll, I'll never forget uh below the tail race there on pickwick when i was younger man biggest smallmouth i'd ever caught it was like four pounds four one and we like put that thing in the live well i mean we were probably 10 or 12 years old somewhere in there put the thing in the live where we we're high-fiving we're taking this thing back getting this thing mounted, monster fish, get to the boat dock, putting the boat on the trailer. Guy pulls up, and we got to talk. Yeah, man, we caught a giant. It's awesome. It's all we pulled out. And he's like, oh, I caught a big one too. And he literally pulls out like an eight and a half. Just deflated. And, oh, yeah. We, we, we walked down into the dock and threw it back just in the water. Back. We did. We just threw it like total like deflation of like, because, you're. I mean, you're right. I mean, it's crazy how this far south, I mean, we get six and seven, eight pounders on the Tennessee River. Smallmouth well, on the Tennessee and River. And unfortunately, I grew up in a place where we didn't have smallmouth. Yeah. So they're not on uh, Tom Bibby River system. Have is not but mudfish. <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of mudfish. I had uh, some great bass fishing over there, too, with some, uh, and, uh, and a lot of big catfish. That's about right. But Hey, David, man, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us today. We uh, we appreciate it, and man, if you had to give us a tip for somebody coming up, what would uh what would your tip of the day be if somebody was fixing to come up to Pickwick and try to catch some fish? Man, my thing would be try to find the clear water. Um, as muddy as it is right now, a lot of these fish are going to try to find that little bit cleaner water. Um, 
try to find it with good structure for them to hold on because a lot of these fish are pulling up try to find clear water with those yellow flowers or good hard shell bottoms that they can use for making beds uh, just look for clear water because a lot of this river right now is just bad stained muddy and a lot of these fish just will not like to hang out if they can find a little bit clear water that's where they're going to be well that's awesome david well man if somebody wants to come up there and go fishing with you what are they, how do they get in contact with you the best way to get a hold of me is uh, just get on DaveAllenFishing.com. Uh, get on there, look at all the pictures and everything, and then hit the contact button, and you can either email me or it has my phone number there to call me, or you can uh, hit me up on Facebook or Instagram at David Allen Fishing, and uh, just hit me up on there and hit me in the DMs, or you can call me at uh, 270-205-9380, and we'll get you booked and get you out on the water. Well, that's awesome, man. Guys, y'all, uh, y'all give David a, ho- a holler and, uh, I feel, feel very sure he can put you on some big bass and, and big, sounds like some big small mouth, mouth too. So, uh, we appreciate it, David, and we look forward to having you back on here soon. This segment was actually brought to you by You Do Outdoors. Uh, Stephen, I mean, have you been, I mean, you do, man. I mean, let's, it's social media for the outdoors. Guys, if you like hunting and fishing, and maybe you're not a huge fan of Facebook and some of the things there. There's, there is another option, and I don't know that many people know about it yet. But uh, you can download the app on, on Google Play or on the App Store. Uh, it's a free app. It's social media for, for us is yeah, what I say. Absolutely. Go check it out and you know, get connected to that community and begin to share thoughts and ideas and you know, post pictures and uh, same thing you do on Instagram and Facebook, but it's really just dedicated to the outdoors and you don't have to worry about them blocking you or, you know, taking your posts down and things like that. And, and just continue to build your network around the outdoors and connecting with people like the gods that we have on each and every week. And, and so go check it out. Absolutely, man. We'll appreciate that. Thanks again for this segment, brother. And we look forward to talking to you soon. So stay safe on the water. Thank you, sir. And y'all have a good one. Keep tight lines. All right, buddy. Thanks, Thanks, David. All right, guys. Well, that was another great show with a lot of good information. I hope you guys uh, get as much out of that as me and Stephen did today. With that being said, Stephen, what's uh, what's your takeaway for the day, man? What'd you learn? Well, man, I think definitely a recap for our listeners. Two things that jump out at me is really if you get in a system where man, there's been a lot of spring rain and it's pouring in there and it's chocolate, it's muddy. Don't be scared to go up shallow, go up shallow. And, uh, I mean, if you listen to the whole podcast today, both systems said that go up shallow, look for structure. So you follow it was, he was really kind of chasing grass lines up shallow when the water got really, uh, muddy and and chocolate. And, and then in, in the Tennessee system in the Pickwick system, he was really targeting structure, brush piles, you know, more hard structure, but, up shallow, up shallow. push them up shallow. And then, uh, the other thing is, man, if you're out there chasing stripes, stripers, you know, don't be scared to, you know, cut some shad up and try, try cut bait when, cut bait. when it's sluggish, when it's sluggish, that was the key. When it slows down and it's sluggish and it seems like you really can't get them to commit, maybe cut bait is a better way to go. You know, the other thing I took away from that is when you think about fishing with live bait, I guess in my You're mind, thinking about the minnow you used to buy to put in your minnow bucket right, back in the day right. trying to catch crappie. Exactly. <laughs> but not this, this guy. This fishing with 15, I mean, 18 fishing, inch live shad. You I know? fillet that sucker and put it in the <laughs> grease. He's fishing with it and I'm filleting uh, it. Uh, yeah, 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 man. 
Hey, but a 30, 40 pound fish, big fish, he, he, you know, I don't know about stripers, but a perspective on bass is I know for an eight pound bass to have gotten to eight pounds, uh, it has to eat 10 times that weight to get there. So, um, for a fish to gain a pound of a pound, it has to eat 10 pounds of forage. So a ten, eight pound bass ate 80 pounds of forage to grow to that size. Good gracious. So you think about how many shad are in 80 pounds of shad, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of big shad to get there. So yeah, big fish eat a lot of food to get there. <laughs> Good stuff, man. That's uh, a, I, that'd be a lot of fun. We need to take him up on that and, uh, and, and go catch some of those ourselves. All right, folks, that's going to wrap it up for the week. Don't forget, please subscribe and rate us and drop us a review. Hey, these reviews are, reviews are very uh, important to us, especially starting out this podcast. We would really love for you to take just a couple minutes, go on and drop us a review and, uh, and give us a good rating whenever you listen to the podcast. If you'd like us to email you the podcast, just head on over to greatdaysoutdoors.com slash A-F-F-R and we'll send you the new shows each and every week. So that's a wrap, man. We look forward to talking to you, Stephen. Thank you. Yeah. Always a pleasure, my friend. Good stuff. Let's go fishing. Let's go fishing. Talk to you soon, guys. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by Killer Dock. Check out the full line of all-natural dock-enhancing fish cleaning stations at KillerDock.com. And also brought to you by Geico of Mobile. Give Ron Davis, your Geico agent, a call at 251-445-0053 or visit him online at geico.com forward slash mobile dash AL. And brought to you by Fish Bites, ready to go when you are, regardless of when you're ready to go fishing. This bait stays on the hook and the fish stay on the bait. Check them out, fishbites.com. And brought to you by You Do Outdoors. Check out You Do Outdoors on your app store, Google Play. It's a social media app for whatever you do outdoors. This episode was brought to you by Brian Sand with National Land Realty. You already trust me with your fishing report, so trust me to help you find or sell that next piece of property as well. Just give me a call at 601-383-2344. And also brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Become a better southern hunter and angler and pick up your copy today wherever fine magazines are sold or save online at greatdaysoutdoors.com.